0: You're listening to Questionable Material with Jack and Brian.
1: Jack, you're sad, I can tell. Yeah. What happened, Jack? Well, Norm McDonald died. God, it even makes me sad to saying that out loud now. Well, everybody dies, Jack. Say what now? Everybody dies, Jack. Hey, what a way to find out. Yeah. He, <laughs> what, he had cancer and he hid it from everybody for nine <laughs> years or six Hero. years. Yeah. Nine years, nine, nine years. years.
0: So, um, yeah, so, so this is uh, going to be a special, uh, one time episode of, uh, the, of, um, <laughs> almost said the BSFA of, uh, questionable material. We're going to talk about Norm MacDonald, uh, his life and his legacy and tell some stories. Um, uh, because he was a comic legend and a lot of his spirit and the way he does comedy, we try to infuse, I think, into our show. So we're going to do we're going to honor Norm and do a special episode. And our normal episode will still be coming out uh, on Thursday. Pun intended. A Brand new episode. Norm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. You knew Norm. I did know Norm. Um, yeah. And I have some, I think, fun and interesting stories to say. But yeah, he. um Norm kept his uh, cancer uh, diagnosis, which came nine years ago, hidden from everybody. And I texted um, Steve Higgins uh, yesterday. He's the announcer on Jimmy Fallon. So if you've seen Jimmy Fallon, that's his announcer there. Steve is the producer on Saturday Night Live. So after Lauren Michaels name, there's Steve Higgins. I texted Higgins yesterday after I found out. Actually, after you texted me and told me that Norm died. I broke the news um, to you. Yeah. And um, and and Steve. And they were really good friends. Steve had no idea. No idea. He kept it from everybody. Um, and it's, it's funny. So I actually wanted to read, um, about, read to people about that because I think this sort of says so much about Norm. Um, this is from his longtime producer, Lori Joe, uh, Hoekstra, um, who's a great person. Uh, quote, he was most proud of his comedy. He never wanted the diagnosis to affect the way the audience or any of his loved ones saw him. Norm was a pure comic. He once wrote that a joke should catch someone by surprise it should never pander. he certainly never pandered Aww. and I think that's um that's norm. what kind of that cancer is norm
1: what kind of cancer was it?
0: you know I don't know um, I, I, I don't know it would just be speculative I, I'm not sure but nine years fighting cancer and then um, um yeah and then he he died yesterday. so if, for people who don't know Norm was a weekend update anchor uh, he was a writer first for Roseanne. Uh, in the early 90s um that was his you know his sort of first big job then he was hired as a writer on Saturday night live and then became the anchor uh on Saturday night live's uh weekend update segment um i think from around 94 to 1998 when he was fired uh i worked at Saturday night live with Norm uh during um some a little bit of that time and including the time when he was fired and I, you know i wanted I, you you know some of these stories Brian, but maybe not all of them. Um, so I was a nobody as I am today. Um, you've come a long way, Jack. (laughs) I was, I was like a super nobody and now I've made it to nobody status, but so I was a super nobody back then. I was a 20 year old, 22 year old, you know, dummy. Um, just super excited to be working at Saturday live. I couldn't believe it. And so I was working as a script coordinator, which meant I, formatted all the scripts that came in from all the writers. And I was a part time receptionist as well. So I sat at the front desk and answered the phones and greeted all the writers and cast members and staff who would come in every day and just was a receptionist. And one day, Norm walked in and he's like, "Uh, hey, Jack, uh, you want to submit some jokes to a weekend update? Yeah, I mean, Norm was one of my heroes. So I, I was, yes, oh my God, yes, Norm is inviting me to write jokes, the thing I want to do. You know, when you're writing on a TV show and you're not, a, or, I'm sorry, when you're working on a TV show and you're not a writer, right. but you want to be, I mean, you can't just write. You can't just be like, hey, guys, here's some of my ideas. Like that's,
1: they don't, that they don't like that. Yeah. They'll say goodbye. Thank you.
0: Yeah. We have a union and go, go F yourself. Right. So, um, but he invited it. He invited it and, you know, and, and so people, you know, there are certain staffers who are allowed to submit jokes and he was just like, he could tell that that was probably my dream because I was a white nerd. Um, you know, and, uh, we all want to become comedy writers. And so he invited me to, uh, write jokes. And so that week I, I did. I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Of course I'll write jokes. So that week I wrote 10 jokes. Uh, I thought I was so prolific and I wrote 10 whole jokes that week. And so I submitted, submitted them and lo and behold, uh, Saturday nights, uh, that Saturday night, November 15th, 1997, that dress rehearsal, my joke, one of the jokes that I had written made it to dress rehearsal. That was the, the, the show. They they basically do a two hour taking of Saturday night live from eight to 10
1: meet from 10 to 1130 and cut cut all the funny stuff, cut all the funnier sketches (laughs) out. And then you get the 90 minute show at the end. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Right. Exactly. I was there for that one.
1: I remember that once I I, I went there, my friend was writing for SNL and I went to the taping and the, the the original, the not live taping, but it's in front of an audience. And it was two hours long and it had some of the funniest SNL sketches I'd ever seen. And then the live show comes on and they had cut the funniest sketches I had ever seen. Yes. Yeah. I know. I think Modest Mouse and Liam Neeson were the guests. I remember that. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is really funny. Yeah. And and so it's, oh, so much
0: goes into it, you know, how the sketches get picked, changed, edited down. So so much changes between 10 and 1130. So my joke makes dress rehearsal and it, we put it in front of an audience and it does not do very well. It, um it probably gets 25% of the audience to laugh, which means, you know, it's it's a dud. It's not going to, it's not going to make air. You take the jokes that don't do well in your test show and you cut them. Yeah. And but then wouldn't you know it, air comes along and the joke is still in the show. I couldn't believe it. I'd like I'm truly stunned. And so Norm tells my joke for the first time ever. I had dreamed of, of doing this since ninth grade. And all of a sudden there's Norm McDonald telling my joke in front of eight million people live. And so let's say 25 percent of the audience laugh, which is my estimate. Um, if that's true, then 25 percent of the audience at home laughed which meant I made two million people laugh at the same time in that instant. And it was like the, one of the greatest moments of my life still to this day, like just an amazingly powerful thing. And I, I will, why do you think, uh, dramatic, why do you think
1: you want to read the joke? Yeah. yeah I, okay. I do want to read the, yeah, joke. I'm curious. Why do you I think wrote. he kept it in?
0: Uh, well, I, I asked and I have an answer. So oh. first I'll read the joke okay. and then I'll tell you the answer. All right. Okay. And I found this joke. On Buzzfeed's top 40 Norm McDonald jokes, some for some reason they put this joke in at number 38 on the Buzzfeed top 40 Norm McDonald jokes. All right. Here it is. All right. And in Sugarland, Texas, a Florida-bound Amtrak train collided with the back of a tractor-trailer carrying bagged sand. Thankfully, no in- no serious injuries were reported. However, the accident did draw protests from the People for the Ethical Treatment of Sand.
1: Huh.
0: <laughs> You know, that's, you know, it's uh, some, you know, 25% of the people really liked it. Right. And it's not that great a joke, whatever. It's totally fine. It's a norm joke. And so I and and so got 25%. I'm like, oh, my God. And so I asked him afterwards. So I asked Jim Downey, who's on the Mount Rushmore of comedy writers, wrote for Saturday Night Live, shared an office with Bill Murray. Um, wrote for the original David Letterman. I mean, this guy invented comedy. Uh, a conservative uh, voice. He would do all the uh, or late '80s, early '90s um, political comedy. Uh, he and Al Franken, sort of like from the left and the right, mm-hmm. would do like the Dukakis Bush stuff and the the Bush Perot stuff. You know, Jim Downey, Mount Rushmore. So I asked Jim Downey who produced Weekend Update with Norm. Uh, like, why is it in there? And he's like, Ah, eh, we just thought it was really smart. We didn't really care if it got the laugh or not. We just liked it. And and that was how they approach things. They're just like, eh, we think it's smart. We think it's funny. Hell with it. We're going to go with it. And that's how I got my first joke ever on television. The first time my words were ever written read, uh, read aloud on air. The first time I was ever paid to be a writer. I got $50. Oh,
1: you got paid for it. Nice. I got paid for it from, from Norm.
0: Oh. And I have a copy of the $50 check somewhere.
1: Um, per- so he paid you personally
0: for it? Yeah. So, you know, because you're not a paid writer on right. the show uh you're just like you know getting the 400 a week that they paid you. um uh any jokes that came from the outside and this is fairly standard procedure yeah. certainly back in the day Jay Leno would do this a lot um you know all those people they they would be faxers people who would send in jokes right. and if you got one of the jokes on you'd get paid 50 100 bucks whatever it was Colin Quinn who came after Norm um paid 100 bucks a joke so that was always nice mm. um so uh, so that was how I got Norm McDonald got uh, did my first joke ever on television
1: that's pretty cool. It and do you think cool. that's and part of the reason he got cancer?
0: I do. I think the 25% laugh is uh, probably ate at him so much. And it's one of those things like. It grows over know, time. It does like a tumor.
1: Yeah. It yeah. ate at him. So it.
0: it's, so I, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I needed to do this special episode of the podcast is that.
1: You feel to guilty. Me. Your guilty conscience is killing you. I can see I, it.
0: I killed my idol.
1: Yeah. That's terrible. I killed my idol. <laughs> but at least he gave you a shot.
0: He gave me a shot. So six weeks later. Six weeks later he's fired.
1: Oh, is this just six From weeks later? Yeah.
0: Six weeks later. So in the early January for telling too many O. J. Simpson jokes.
1: Yeah, that's right. He pissed off the one of the network heads by by constantly. Yeah. Referring, yep. yeah by referring to OJ yep. as a murderer constantly.
0: <laughs> yeah, because he and uh, he and OJ were friends, this executive, they were friends, and yeah. it's like enough with the OJ jokes and Norm's not gonna be told right. what jokes to tell or not tell.
1: And so, they were brutal. They just, did, they just kept going. I mean, it was, oh, uh, he was unforgiving as you should be when somebody's oh, a murderer.
0: <laughs> oh, un, absolutely unforgiving. God. I mean, just some, some amazing OJ jokes out there. Um, <laughs> so, um. so six weeks later he's fired replaced by Colin Quinn, on weekend update, but here's the thing he's fired from weekend update, but he still was technically a cast member on the show. Didn't really do very much other than that. So he basically hung around for about a month and a half, two months, just sad all the time. Yeah. Up in the offices, like just wishing that he could do the only job he ever wanted to do, which is to tell jokes on what he called Hey, "I'm Norm Macdonald." Welcome to the fake news. He, basically, he coined fake news. Uh-huh. You know the the phrase we all know so well today. Um. So he but he hung around the show and and he would watch the the dress rehearsal and stuff, and he would watch all those things. So one day between dress and air, I had to run up to the offices, and I saw Norm. And it's like, hey, hey, Jack, you got any jokes there in a, an update? And I'm like, that week I had two jokes that made dress rehearsal, and neither of them made air. And I'm like, yeah, I got this one and that one. He's like, oh yeah, you yeah, oh, know, that one is that one. That was great. And this I would have used both those jokes, whenever And I always thought, like, God, that's that's norm. Like, that's this painful thing for him, this still raw open wound. And he still is watching and still is supporting and still is a fan of jokes so much that he um you know, is is sort of doing the set that he would have done and, and supporting, you know, a 22 year old nobody saying like, yeah, those were good jokes. I would have used them. And, you know, that's the sort of nice guy that he he was.
1: And then they they had him come back and host the show not long afterwards. Right. And he just he just yes. dunked on the the whole monologue. He was just dunking on how crappy the show was.
0: Yeah. It, it, yeah. So he he comes back to host in October of ninety nine <laughs> and basically like now, I was fired from this job here, like, uh, you know, from Weekend Update uh, a year ago for not being funny. And somehow in the last year, I'm now funny enough to host the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, how the hell does that happen? I mean, just but told in a much funnier norm way. Just killer, killer monologue. He was so happy to be back there. I mean, like it was a real victory lap.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: So, um, <laughs> so a couple of other stories in in from in that time frame. Um Norm um Norm played Syracuse University where I went to college um to promote the movie Dirty Work. He had a, a movie coming out, so he did like a comedy tour and he was doing a college um in that May. And so he so they found out that I went to Syracuse. I was staying at my mom's house because it was a, the show was off that week. So I went back home because I was 22 and had no money. And um so Norm called me at home, at my mom's house to ask me like what the local dives were to, you know, cause comedians love to say like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, we love being at, um, you know, M- McCoolahan's, mm-hmm. the local bar. And everyone's like, Oh my God, yeah, you, you God. know,
1: our town. Oh my God. Yeah. You're connecting yeah, really with know. us. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so he called me just to ask me for all those details. Like, Hey, what's the local bar where do the kids hang out what's this and that? just to get some like info for me. But like, I'm on the phone as a 22 year old with Norm McDonald like feeding him it, Intel on Syracuse, uh, which was like a mind-blowing experience. And then I went to the show. I drove then to Syracuse that night to see the show and hung out with him backstage. Like, and all my the, most of my friends were still in the school, and I'm backstage with Norm, and it was really trippy. And I got to bring a few of my buddies back, and that, that was a big deal.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but but I want to tell one one more story from that time. So the 25th anniversary of Saturday Night Live happened while I was there in September of 1999. And Norm came back. So this was before he hosted. Norm came back to, to be a part of it. And he, instead of just coming back on like Friday to rehearse and then Saturday for the show, for the, for the big three hour primetime taping, um, of this, of this SNL 25th anniversary, he came back and just hung out with us all week. And Norm had a phenomenal gambling problem. Yeah. <laughs> this is not me, um, telling tales out of school. This is something he widely acknowledges. I would not, um, ever. Spill the tea on uh, anyone in the SNL family. Um, he wrote about it in his book.
1: He had a yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, he's yeah. It's no secret.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and it was so much of his comedy was about it. Uh, he he got two sitcoms after SNL, and both those characters had gambling problems. Uh-huh. So clearly, it was a really big part of his life. And so, um, so it was. So he came out and hung hung out with us that that Tuesday night, leading into the Sunday night. Taping of the primetime SNL special, and so we're hanging out in the research area, and there are four TVs in the research area because you want to be able to tape CNN and Fox News and and or anything. You just want that's the research area at Center in Life. You can there are four TVs with different cable boxes, and you can watch four different things. So we're hanging out in there, and Norm is watching four different baseball games. He's, we're watching the Yankees. It doesn't matter. So we're watching four different baseball games because. He has $3,000 on each
1: game. Oh, I thought it was just he really liked baseball.
0: No, 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 Uh, no, no. He really liked gambling.
1: So $3,000. So
0: we're cheering. We're cheering for the Yankees to win. We're watching the Braves on TBS. We're cheering them to score under eight runs. We're cheering for the Dodgers on ESPN. And we're cheering for, you know, some fourth team, literally four, four games. He doesn't even remember who he's got. He has to ask his assistant. Hey, hello, Joe. Who do we got in this one? (laughs) Uh, So he's, he's asking. Oh, my God. He doesn't even remember, because we're watching four games with twelve thousand dollars on the line. And so it, it' not a relaxing way to watch baseball because, you know, and I specifically remember this. Uh, Derek Jeter grounds out to shortstop and as he's running, Norm is screaming at the TV come on you motherfucker run run (laughs) (laughs) on a ground out to short like in the fourth inning (laughs) so relaxing what a way to watch a game oh my god oh my god and and then we we hang out in in higgins office like up until midnight that night and he's just telling filthy filthy jokes just um you know I, i i cursed a minute ago but that was nothing compared to like and he did it with like this sort of childlike glee that you do it, right? When when we're just being filthy just for fun, just right. to like make, to we're aware that we're being filthy and just trying to get a reaction out of people or being right. silly. And 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 that was him. And he just told the most foul, foul things <laughs> and just had this gleeful like smile, like, ah, you know, and I talked about this bodily function and that and just got people to groan, uh-huh. groan comedy writers. Yep. And still everyone's like, oh, gross, so gross. <laughs>
1: oh god it was amazing he was such a good man you he saw him recently didn't you see him recently i did i i saw him where was he almost, dobbs ferry or something weird like yeah he was in
0: tarrytown tarrytown so it was a 10 minute drive from my house 10 minute drive at this like three thousand seat theater in november of 2019
1: tarrytown's so, basically you know. a suburb of new york city right i mean how would you describe it? westchester yep. county it was just kind of outside the city
0: Absolutely. He actually took the, the Metro North train. He didn't take a fancy town car. Oh, wow. He took the Metro North train to the to the to his to gig. Show.
1: Good for him. All right.
0: That, yeah. So he so so he he plays this 3000 seat theater. And I I text his producer slash assistant uh, that we're, my wife and I are going to be there. She's like, oh, my God, you guys got it. That's so great. You guys have to come backstage after the show. Great. Great. So, so we, Betsy and I and my wife come, come backstage after the show and, um, and the security guys, you know, I, I tell them like, Hey, can I go backstage? You know, they're waiting for me. And they're like, yeah, sure they are. They check. And so they're like, okay. Yeah, I guess so. So they let me back in. So I, my wife and I walk backstage after this big show and in this giant holding area giant and, and nobody's there except Norm, his assistant slash producer, me and my wife. And as I turn the corner, I see that there's one other dude standing there. And I look over because I'm like, hey, Norm. And I look over and it's Louis C.K.
1: Louis, so Louis, me, my
0: wife, Norm, Louis C.K. And Laurie Joe hanging out for 20, 25 minutes talking about comedy and Saturday Night Live. And the fact that Shane Gillis, uh, the conservative comedian, um, had been hired uh, that fall and then fired before. Two seconds um, later. Yeah. Yeah. Two seconds later, we're talking about like, yeah, I reached out to Shane and, uh, you know, I told him, you know, hey, you you contact me. This is, you know, this is bullshit. Um, And we, we, and we just talked about comedy and, and with Louie and Norm and like, what what life am I living here? It was crazy. And we hung out for like 25 minutes and had a great time. And and <laughs> and I told him uh, his assistant told him that I at that time I was writing for the, the TV show Strahan, Sarah and Kiki which was on Michael Strahan and Kiki Palmer's and Sarah Haynes' 1 p.m. show on ABC, the Mm -hmm. ABC network on Disney. (laughs) And so she tells him, hey, Jack, you know, you you know, Jack, you know, from back in the day here is, uh, you know, his new job is like he's the head writer on that show. And Norm does one of these like little, you know, shockwaves things, like little head moves that shows that he's shocked. He's like, wait a minute, that show has writers?
1: (laughs) Oh,
0: such a great burn. Such a
1: great, (laughs) so
0: so funny. Oh my God. What a great line. God. So, so funny. And then we, we hang out and I was able to tell him like, Hey man, you know, you mean everything to me. You, you, you were the first person to ever read my joke on television. And you know, you mean the world to me. And I got, I got to tell him that now before he died i know that i had that chance i Mm -hmm. am extremely i remain extremely lucky well i'm sorry for your loss yeah (laughs) well it's it's comedy's loss brian it is but thank you a funny man i'm gonna read his book i'm gonna read his book his book's crazy his book's really good it's really
1: a unique book um i've seen excerpts everyone and It looked really oh, good. Oh yeah, go ahead. I've seen some excerpts of it, and it looked really good. And I was like, okay, I'm going to put that. Oh, on my great. list. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's 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 really fun. Um, it's really really fun. <laughs> he um, I went to go see him. Uh, let, let me tell two two jokes of his that I saw in a club. So I uh, I went to go see him in 2015 when he was doing the New York Comedy Festival festival in um in New York City uh, in on November 13th. I don't know why I remember these dates, but I do. Um. And again, we go back uh, to that part doesn't matter. But so he tells two two jokes. So he gets on stage and everyone's excited to see him. And he's just doing a little crowd work to start. He's just sort of, you know, feeling himself up there. And it's like, ah, he's near a comedy festival. Eh, Hey, give me that program. Because we all have programs for the whole festival, you know, all the the comedians and all the venues that they're going to be. Hey, Sarah Silverman's here. And, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's playing the, you know, uh, Carnegie Hall or whatever. so he goes through the the uh, he goes through the program and just commenting on it. And he gets to now, Now before I finish the story, um, I want to see I want to let let people be aware of the saying, um, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, right? practice, that, practice. Uh, the, practice, 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 um, practice, very famous uh, saying. So he gets up there and he's, he's thumbing through the um, the program and he gets to a, a full page thing that says Judd Apatow live at um, Carnegie Hall. And he reads it out loud. Oh, hi, Judd Apatow, live at Carnegie Hall. Okay, and so here's the other thing I want to say. Comedians, stand-up comics especially, um, if they hear you've been working as a stand-up comic for like under 10 years, then you haven't earned anything yet. Then you're you're not ready. You haven't found your voice yet. You're not, you're, you're almost not taken seriously within the comedy world. Yeah. You have to put in your time, your years at the club, earning that crap, or earning that, earning your jokes, earning your set, earning your, your tight five minutes, your tight 15 minutes, your tight hour, your, um, your voice, all that stuff that it matters to comedians that, um, that you probably work 12 to 15 years before you're sort of considered like, okay, you've, you've earned our respect. So Norm, Norm gets up there. He reads, Oh, Judd Apatow. Live from Carnegie Hall. And he pauses and he, and he looks up and he says, uh, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Never, ever practice. <laughs> which is such a good burn about a guy who became a famous comedy writer and producer and director who didn't earn his time mm-hmm. at the clubs to be able to get a set at Carnegie Hall. It was such a good Jed Apatow burn, w- which shows, again, what Norm is all about. because. Judd Apatow is a he makes millionaires, right? Like you get in a couple of Judd Apatow movies. If you're part of his rotating cast, mm-hmm. millions of dollars to, you know, waste on, you know, wagering on college football games, mm-hmm. like, but he didn't care. He's just like, yeah, he's just, he just told the joke. He's not, he's not sucking up, right. Not sucking up to politicians. He's not sucking up to people who could make him millions of dollars. He's just, he, he thought he saw something that he thought was unjust and made a really good joke about it. Um, which I, I deeply respected. And then the other joke he told that night, um, he talked about, uh, yeah, Caitlyn Jenner, you know, is, is trans. she'd sort of just come out. Uh, yeah, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, she's, you know, trans and everything now, and, uh, you know, it's, it's it's interesting, you know, back in my day, if you had a, a penis and balls, yeah, you were called a man. <laughs> <laughs> and then he pauses and he said, we were so naive back then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what a great <laughs>
0: what a great way to comment on on that whole thing uh, and then he he goes on is like hey you know she's named woman of the year How, how's that justified she hasn't even been woman for half the year yet What <laughs> like another such a smart way to sort of comment without saying like right you know, and the audience is like what oh, oh you can't say she's our hero and and he's just like he loved it. Yeah, good for him. He loved it. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So that's it. That was Norm. Um, and it dawned on me as I was driving home, knowing that we, I had just spoken to you of saying like I'd like to do this real quick episode of the podcast to talk about Norm, and I realized that um, it's one of the reasons why I like doing comedy with you. Um because I, you know, you embody all that stuff to me, um, about just being funny and that that's really all that matters. And, um, you know, we're not trying to get anyone, like I like to say the tagline of like, we're not trying to get anyone elected. We're not trying to get anyone impeached. We're just trying to be funny and everything, but, but you actually just are that, you know, you're, you're that sort of same kindred spirit that I've, I have always been drawn to, you know, and, and you're very special in that way too. You, you have that norm spirit of just putting that sort of stuff. Uh, first. And that's how much I deeply respect and love you too. And, you know, you never know when you're going to be able to tell someone that. So anyway, you know, you're, you're just so goddamn funny. And, um, you know, there's no higher compliment.
1: You're also a, 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 tra- a garbage person, but, um, but at least you're funny. Thank you. Um, you can send some jokes in to me and I'll see if I can put them on the air.
0: <laughs> Wait, it's, it's also my podcast. Wait, is that, I got to do that?
1: I'm just I'm just throwing you a bone. I want to be more norm like.
0: <laughs> well, but pay me fifty dollars. It's more money than I've made in two years ago with this podcast.
1: Well, saw so the microphone you got there. I know, right? That's it's like, pretty nice. That's like ten jokes.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you—that's all, it's all you. Anyway, so um, you know um. Yeah, I love and appreciate and respect you so much and no need to get any more serious than that. But- yeah. Sad oh boy. Mind. Jeebus. My goodness. But I just wanted to tell, to tell you that you, you
1: embody all of that to me. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Yep. You're uh, then I think my next goal is to get cancer and not tell you, <laughs> I really want to fulfill. I want to be norm for you, Jack.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Someone's got to fill those shoes. And
1: man. the timing is perfect. Cause in nine years I'll be 61. Oh my God. That is true. See you then. Oh, see
0: you then. Oh my gosh. Enjoy your, your annual physical. Oh God. And uh, I love comedians because we would immediately make jokes about someone dying, knowing that the comedian would love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, ah, that's the only way you should do it. It's just weird people. Weird people. Weird people with messed up brains. <laughs> Uh um well thank you for indulging me. Sure. Um thanks for listening to my love stories and um uh, honoring someone who was just a kind um loyal fearless uh and most of all funny person, Norm McDonald. Rest in peace, Norm. Rest in peace, Norm.
1: Don't review us. <laughs>